It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. I'm your host, Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we'll recap the week that was, and we'll check in with Barracuda assistant coach, Jimmy Bono. And we'll take a look at the Barracuda's upcoming opponent, the Texas Stars. As the voice of the Stars, Brian Tosti will join us. Sunday afternoon's matchup with the Tucson Roadrunners marked the long-awaited return of regular season play. It had officially been 334 days since the Sharks' top affiliate had played in a regular season game. And in the contest, nine different players made their AHL debuts for San Jose, including the pro debuts of Sharks' 2020 first-round pick Ozzie Weisblatt and second-round pick Tristan Robbins. 22-year-old netminder Alexei Melnichuk, who was signed by the Sharks during the offseason as an undrafted free agent, got the nod in the nets. We also got our first glance at undrafted free agent signee Brinson Pashna, who played his college hockey just up the road at Arizona State. In the first, the Barracuda outshot the Roadrunners 13-8 as both teams traded chances. For the Barracuda, their best opportunity came off the stick of Weisblatt as he was one-on-one with Tucson's Ivan Prozvatov on a partial breakaway. But Prozvatov was able to come up large. Was the OHL's Rookie of the Year in his first campaign. Here comes Weisblatt. He's got a step moving in. Weisblatt trying to get the shot off. Where's the puck? It was sitting on the goal line, and they're going to wave it off. It began to kind of skip and flutter on Weisblatt, who did not get great wood on that shot. Moments after Weisblatt's look, Former Ducks prospect Kevin Waugh would collect the puck at his own blue line and race up the ice on a breakaway. This time, it was Melnichuk coming up with the big save. Let down last year. Here's a chance for Kevin Waugh moving in. Shoots, save, gets a secondary opportunity, and that's turned aside by Melnichuk. After a scoreless first, it would take Tyler Steenbergen 18 minutes and 11 seconds into the second period to break the deadlock and give the Roadrunners their first lead of the year. Led the CHL in scoring. Signed an entry-level deal with the Sharks. Here's a chance, and the Roadrunners break the deadlock with under two minutes to go in the second period. Tyler Steenbergen is able to fire one home off the right wing as Melnichuk could not get over in time, and the Roadrunners draw first blood with 1.49 remaining in the second period. In the third, down by a goal, rookie forward John Leonard, in his AHL debut, would race up the left wing on a two-on-one with Joachim Blickfeld. 
Leonard would take it himself and beat Prozvatov through the five hole to tie the game up at 1-1. And a very encouraging sign here this afternoon. Here's a chance for John Leonard. He's got a partial break moving down the left wing. Puck's rolling on him. He shoots. He scores! John Leonard has scored his first professional goal. And the Barracuda have their first goal of 2021. As a junior, Leonard led all Division I men's ice hockey players with 27 goals as a member of the UMass Minutemen. He began the season with the Sharks, making the team out of training camp. Leonard would appear in seven games before his reassignment as he picked up his first two NHL points, both assists, in his NHL debut. The game would go to overtime, and despite recording the first two shots of overtime, the Barracuda would eventually fall just a minute and 17 seconds into the extra session as Cam Deneen would race up the ice and bury it for the game winner. Darren between Prozvatov and the post. Here's a chance. Back the other way and they score! An overtime winner for Cam Deneen as he beats Alexei Melnichuk on the far side and the Tucson Roadrunners get the second point and it comes a minute and 17 seconds into overtime. We had a chance to catch up with Weisblatt following the game. He described the feeling of playing in his first game. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, you know. Um, you know, as a kid, you, you dream of playing pro hockey one day, and uh, for it to be here, it's it's awesome. And, um, you know, just, just trying to get the win tomorrow and uh, kind of build off that. On Monday, the two teams would square off again. Jake McGrew and Joe Gareffa would be replaced in the Barracuda's lineup by center iceman Joel Shellman and Zach Gallant. For Gallant, it was his AHL debut. After just three combined goals on Sunday, Monday would feature four combined goals in the opening 20 minutes. 2020 AHL All-Star Joachim Bluckfeld would kickstart the scoring at 14-14 of the first. Hurried along to the far side and lifted ahead by Leonard. He's got Blickfeld. Blickfeld moving it shot. He scores! Joachim Blickfeld off the crossbar and in. Tucson would then score just one minute and five seconds later when Melnichuk misread a dump in, came out of his net to play the puck in the trapezoid, only to have Michael Carconi win the foot race, center the puck in front to Jan Unique, who would fire it into the open cage. Less than a minute after that, Lane Peterson would give Tucson its first lead as he would rip home a rebound that had ricocheted off the pad of Melnichuk. Intended for bunting. Taken away. Blickfield now on the backhand will skip one off the wall. Here's a chance developing for the Roadrunners. Banged in a net, and the rebound comes right to Lane Peterson, and he scores. And the Roadrunners, just like that, have taken their first lead of the game. But the Barracuda would tie it up as Pashnuk would unload a bomb from the left point, and Alexander True would redirect the shot home for his first of the year just 13 seconds after Peterson's tally. Now they find themselves down by a goal. Hobgolox for Russo. Left side, Pashnuk tees it up, shot! They score! True tips it past the netminder, and we're level at 2-2. Unfortunately, in the second, the Roadrunners would take their lead back. Their first goal would come on a two-on-one, as Unique this time would set up Carconi. Then the Roadrunners would go on to the power play, and Michael Bunting 
Atop the crease would direct home his first of the year on a point pass from Peterson at 17:33. In the third, the Barracuda would regain hope as True would bang home his second of the game, this time on the power play. He's got Blickfeld shot. Same made pearls with top. Puck is still loose. Jammed in, and they score! And then Gregoire throws a punch to the head there of Auntie Suomela. But comeback hopes were dashed when Kevin Waugh would push the Roadrunners' lead back up to two late in the third period. We had a chance to catch up with assistant coach Michael Chason following the game. Yeah, no, not not the outcome. Um, you know, there were some guys who definitely, you know, stepped up and had some good games and, and played well. And, you know, it was, it was a little scrambly for us at times. You know, we, we got some things we got to clean up and it's still early. You know, we got some guys trying to figure out, you know, kind of where they fit in their roles. But we got enough guys in here that uh, we expect more of ourselves as a group and we'll, we'll bounce back here uh, going into Texas. Yeah, I think I think that kind of leads to the helter skelter a little bit at times. But we have enough older and veteran guys who are now in their second or third or fourth year. And we're going to rely on those guys to kind of clean up those mistakes. And, you know, the young guys are going to find their way. It's going to take time. It's not an easy league and you know we'll try to do this as a group a collective group uh you know coaches and players yeah we'll we'll watch the video here as as a group and you know make sure that you know individually we're pulling some clips for 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 teaching for for our individual guys and you know we'll we'll plan practice accordingly and touch up on those system things that we need to do and you know we got to find ways to score goals but you know with that being said we got to find ways to keep it out too so we got a lot of work to do and we're going to put some time in here like you said these next couple days in practice when we come back we'll have a chat with assistant coach jimmy bono you're listening to cuda confidential the future of car buying is here Hey, it's Shondell Grant of the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Oak Tree Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. And I'm proud to present No Brainer Checkout. Shop online, buy online. Get loan pre-approval. Customize your payments from start to finish. The entire car buying process is all online. No Brainer Checkout, exclusively from the Bay Area DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Now, it's time for CUDA Coach's Corner. We're joined by the assistant coach of the San Jose Barracuda, Jimmy Bono. Jimmy, looking back on the first weekend, you've got a couple games under your belt. Give us your assessment on your um, after two games against the Roadrunners. Uh, I thought, you know, obviously we would have liked to come out of it with a better fate. Those were counting as home games for us, too, on top of that. So, uh, you know, a lot of adaptations, a lot of new a lot of new personnel, a lot of uh, we're getting through our numbers. We're finding combos we like. We're trying to give, you know, an even chance to or so to everybody. And and uh, maybe a little chaotic at time, but overall, I thought the effort was there. I thought uh, I thought young guys, you know, looked good. They didn't look out of place. They looked ready. They were hungry. Uh, and I thought our, our veterans, you know, took charge. We just got to get a little more scoring going, a little hungrier around the net. Is that one of the biggest positives as you look and reflect on the two games? It did seem like in both games, you weren't lacking in energy, especially the young guys. They brought it. You guys were able to roll all four lines on paper and a very intriguing roster, uh, it, especially as you look back at last year, it seems like you've improved in a lot of areas. As you look at this group, goals have been a bit of a struggle if you, if you date back to the preseason as well. But are there some positives in the sense that you certainly had energy, guys were engaged and it's just about kind of getting some bounces tightening up the little things and the details and then pucks will start finding the back of the net yes absolutely and and uh i mean and this is 
everybody's in the same boat here, but there's also with, uh, with different type of training camps, uh, limited exhibition games, obviously at the NHL level for guys shortened camp up there here, you know, did a lot of stuff, but again, just, uh, tried to scrimmage and, but it's just a little different context, right. To get it or nothing feels like real games. And, um, Right now, we're just kind of we're we're just getting used. Chemistry is building, and there's been some movement with the taxi squad also, which again, it's all great stuff. It's just it's just a matter of really finding chemistry, getting used to the system, the little and finding the details. And uh, I think I think like you say, once the energy and the focus is there, which which we were happy with for the most part this weekend, I think you you have a chance to have people learn at a faster pace and you know, things getting on track sooner rather than later. Talking to Jimmy Bono, Barracuda assistant coach. We're talking on a Tuesday. Looking at the roster, you're currently at 32 players. Things can change. You've got a lot of guys right now. A couple of people have made some jokes that you almost feel like you're fielding two teams, not just one. I saw you on the ice working on some skills-type-related stuff. I think it was Ozzy Weisblatt, the guy that you were working with. Young players, Weisblatt, Robbins, Cope, they should be playing junior hockey right now. How important and how valuable do you think it is staying on the ice a little bit extra, working on those little fine-tuned details? For a young player like that, how important for their development do you think it is just getting those extra little reps in, especially with as many people on the ice as you have right now? I think it's huge. I think, like you say, sometimes uh, uh, the – you know, one thing we don't want to give up on by having the numbers, yes, you may get a few, a few lesser reps in practice, or like you say, sometimes it looks like it's split or stuff like this, completely, completely fair, but we don't want to uh, short into the attention that we give this, these players, our, our players in the development league and uh, to the future of the Sharks, they're highly important and we want to make sure we're there for all their needs, but there's also the teaching aspect too, right? We want to be able to, grab their attention to be able to go further than, than system and stuff like this. And this 18 to 23 is just such an important time. It's really where you're going to, you're turning, you've obviously been selected. You've, you've showed a level of, of talent, of, 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 uh, you know, hunger for competitions, all that stuff up to now. But now once you get drafted, once you get your first contract, you get scouted. It's a matter of really, polishing this because the NHL game and the pro game is a whole different animal. And the, the difference between an average shot and a great shot may not change that much what happens in junior, but in the NHL, when guys like Vlasic are trying to go stick on sticker, it is just not there. It's not going to be there unless you should, you learn to shorten the release, you learn the details, the technique. And when we got it, when you, someone has to, to break ha- old habits or, or build new ones at a certain age, it's not that easy. So a lot of repetitions, obviously, and uh, we want to be there. Again, for them to ask their question, stay on top of them with everything. So I think I think it's a massive need, and it's also shows them a little bit the pro hockey uh, uh, work ethic and then and just how, it, how things are how things are done here at the pro level. So in building that work ethic to them, and hopefully, like, when they go back to junior, if they go back to junior, but when they go back to junior, they take that with them to stay on top of that stuff because that's really everyday stuff and understand to that work ethic that you brought up. So I think I think what they take home from this is going to be, you know, 
everyone's different, but I really hope that they get the most out of it. From a coaching standpoint, you guys have changed your roles this year. You're running the penalty kill, and it's a penalty kill unit last year that, if you look previous to last year, one of the best in the league. Last year, it took a little bit of a step back, and I think it had to do largely in part with the fact that John McCarthy retired, one of the best penalty killers in the AHL over the last handful of years. You take over that unit. You did give up the power play goal in game number two, but before that point, it seemed like everybody was getting sticks in passing lanes. People were committed. The effort was certainly there. You killed off all three in game number one. Again, you did give up one on Monday, but it almost felt like you just started getting in penalty trouble and eventually it's going to boil over. But taking over that unit, what have you been able to instill? What has the buy-in been and how has that gone for you so far? Well, first of all, uh, Chaser is such a detailed guy and everything. And, and it goes penalty kill you need to know what you need hesitations or what usually kill you it's a lot of details and a lot of awareness so until you're in this situation multiple times it's you need to live them to improve at them so chaser being just such a detailed guy like he is and putting a lot of work with these guys last year even though especially when you have less success you put in even more so he really like he just kind of laid the foundation for me because a lot of our guys uh, like you say, when McCarty goes, then some guys need to step up and, and the guys have done it. The, the, our guys with a little bit of experience have been excellent. They've been, and then they've also themselves helped teach by their habits and their routes. And, and when discussing with their other players, the, the younger guys who have to uh, be on, in penalty kill situation. Uh, I think I think they've given them a lot of knowledge. So so far, I'm happy with it. It's a constant work on and uh, process. Again, like you said, the sticks in passing lane. People tend to adapt at all the time. You can see Tucson. We had some success killing their breakout yesterday with their with our stand, and they changed it. Come to the third period, so they 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 changed their entry. So it's just always going. But I think experience goes a long way for these guys to be able to take reps and be confident. You can't have hesitation. So it's really where it lays. And, and uh, I think so far, so good. Yeah, Mike Chase on taking over the power play. That was kind of Roy Somers baby over the last handful of years, but he gives up that responsibility. He's running the five on five. And now you've got the PK. We've been here in Arizona for now, almost over a month. The team will be on the road until its first home game on February 25th. Not the most ideal situation, certainly, but overall, it seems like everybody has taken it in stride. How has it been from a coaching standpoint? I know you have a lot of players here, but have you guys felt like you've been able to get some good work in while you've been in this quote-unquote extended training camp here in Arizona? Well, yeah, it's been different for sure. You feel like uh, you feel like on a unending road trip, and just home is away from home, and. Uh, and obviously, like all the COVID protocol makes it for a lot of difficult one-on-one -on -one interactions. So a lot of a lot of Zooms and stuff like this, which is an adaptation for us too, since we've never really uh, done it that way or, or, or built a schedule that way. Uh, but everybody's pulling their weight. We got a great staff uh, and supporting staff, um, and and most most of all, real happy with our leadership group so far. Very early on, but like as you said, is it? It is a challenge. It was an extended period of time. Things have gone many different ways, and uh, for some of them, you know, that have that have girlfriends, wives, families, 
it's a lot of sacrifice. We're all in this together, but uh, really tipping my cap off to these guys. Uh, they seem, and from, from my observation, they seem generous with the young guys. Uh, they seem uh, very, they make sure they acclimate in, a, in, in an easy manner. Uh, they're, they're protective, but also, you know, that, 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 that big brother kind of funny with them. And sometimes I feel like that's what brings someone the best. You don't want to get everything handed to you, but when you get a little, a little joke crack at your expense, a little pat on the back, a little, I think, I think that goes a long way. So, uh, uh, these guys have been in for a lot here. So definitely, uh, definitely deserve, like I said, a shout out. That's assistant coach Jimmy Bono. Bones, thank you very much for the insight and the time. Best of luck this weekend and uh, certainly happy to be back on the swing and be able to see you and the rest of the coaches and players on a daily basis. Appreciate the time. When we return, we'll catch up with Brian Tosti, the voice of the Texas Stars. At Floor & Decor, we know pro. As your one-stop source, we deliver everyday savings on over a million square feet of in-stock flooring, tools, and installation materials. See how our flooring experts can help save you time and money with our best-in-class selection at rock-bottom prices. And with pro-level benefits like our dedicated pro service team, pro hotline, free 14-day storage, and unbeatable pro-loyalty program, you get what you need, when you need it, where you need it. Come discover Floor & Decor, where we know pro. We welcome in the voice of the Texas Stars, Brian Tosti on Akuta Confidential. Brian, first of all, thank you very much for the time. We all know you are a busy guy. The Stars and Barracuda will clash three times starting this upcoming Friday. It'll begin at the HEB Center, and it'll be fun to go outside of the division. The Stars and Barracuda did not play a season ago. I thought I had a good feel, or at least I would have a good feel for the Barracuda after one weekend of games. I almost feel more confused after watching the two games over the weekend, the Stars played three games themselves against the Iowa Wild. They scored eight goals in the first game, one, eight, four. Then they lost in game number two, scored just one goal. They won yesterday in overtime. So through three games, through one weekend of the season, do you have any sort of feel of what type of team you have? It's actually funny because I was thinking the same exact thing about our team going, uh, going through that stretch. And um, really, I actually thought because of the – the disparities in the score and just the, the way the game was played uh, in Iowa, we actually got a really good feel for what this team is going to be uh, this season. They have a lot of firepower. There is a lot of offensive talent on this team. Um, some of the, the guys that uh, Scott White brought in uh, in the offseason that have some AHL experience are really helping out the young guys. And that said, the young guys have a ton of talent. Riley Damiani has been spectacular out of Maskerin coming off of injury has been great for the stars up front. Um, so this is a team that can push the pace. There's a lot of speed and a lot of talent up front. And to be honest, rolling four lines deep has been over the first three games, just like an automatic trigger for uh, Neil Graham and his crew. So um, a very deep offensive group. If you look back at the games too, a lot of power play time and able to take advantage of power play time. Um, so those are some really big things. The things I guess the stars kind of would like to see a little bit more improvement on. There's a young defensive core. There's been a lot of uh, learning curve for the stars moving through the first couple of games. And you saw it from some of the turnovers for Texas in the defensive zone. So that's, I think, one thing that the stars really would like to share up. Um, it's not like the team that we had last year where you had you know three veterans on the back end and 
uh, really had a lot of AHL experience. This is all very new guys to the lineup, uh, guys who I think the, the most veteran on the defensive lineup is Ben Gleason, who's in his third pro season. So um, that's pretty much the defensive core that the team is working with. And goaltending Colton Point looked unbelievable on Monday. Uh, but all in all, you know, Thomas Scholl looked okay in his first start in the AHL. Go back to the first game, you know, Colton allowed four goals, but he still had made some very good saves. So I think defensively is the big part that the Stars would like to cheer up. But this is a team that can run up the score when they're given. We'll take a look at the team that you've got this season. But let's rewind just a bit to last year. thought there were some parallels between the two organizations as both had changes at the head coach spot up in the NHL, which forced – the head coach in the American Hockey League, to go up for the Barracuda, Roy Sommer, for the Stars, Derek Laxaw. In doing so, the team had Neil Graham and his assistant. He's promoted to head coach. And the team really, if you look at the, the schedule last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, November was the year, or the month, rather, that really kind of put the team into a tailspin. But once Graham took over around that December mark, it seemed like everything kind of settled down. Not sure if it was just the team kind of finding itself. But give us an idea on how they kind of, you know, accepted Neil taking over as the head coach and just with all the changes and everything that went down, how do you feel like the team was able to adjust and kind of find their sea legs as the season continued along? Yeah, I think that November stretch um, was really eye-opening for a lot of guys. We had a very young offensive group um, that really, I don't know that they, they necessarily knew how to win tight games. This team had a lot of one goal games during that stretch where they, you know, lost 11 of 12 games and, and the one extra point they picked up wasn't even a win. It was, you know, an overtime loss. So um, there was a lot of learning curve. Um, and, and actually the two guys behind the bench, both Derek Laxdahl and Neil Graham were perfect for the scenario because they brought two very different, uh, um, kind of perspectives on the game. Derek's an old school type of, of guy. He brings a lot of power play mentality. You're kind of seeing how he's integrated in Dallas with the way that their power play has started this year. And he fed a lot of that to Neil as well. But Neil coming off of his time in Idaho, a proven winner, proven to get in the playoffs, knows how to get the best of his players. Um, and, and, you know, really is a, a very smart young hockey coach. And um, so the stars, when you go through that type of stretch, the team kind of rallied around itself. And then we had that moment where Derek gets promoted and goes to, uh, goes to Dallas. And it was kind of all hands on deck. It was, Hey, you know, this is, this is the situation. This is what we've been dealt. And Neil credit him and credit the staff down there. They, they did a wonderful job at the transition. Uh, Dallas really helped out. Um, and Neil having that experience of four years being a head coach in Idaho, it was like a seamless transition. You would have thought the locker room didn't even miss a beat. Uh, and he has always been so vocal and such a good communicator with that group. Um, and he knows what his expectations are, and he's not afraid to let the guys know that. So they rallied behind him, were really excited to play for him. Um, and that's the news that I got from guys who played in Idaho in the past. They just like to play for this guy. Um, and so the systems didn't change too much. They integrated some new things just slightly uh, changing up some things that they had done in the past, but uh, the team really rallied behind one another. Uh, and Neil was at the big focal point of that. So got to credit him for the job he's done in the last year and a half. Well, two years now, basically uh, getting into this season. Um, but he's done an absolutely stellar job with this team. And I don't think anybody would second guess the, the job that he's done with the team this far. 
if I did my math correctly, you guys are going to play 38 games this season. The American Hockey League as a whole, everybody's playing a different amount, amount of games. It, it starts getting a little bit confusing. The Barracuda were supposed to play 40. Now they're at 39 a week into the season. But one team and I guess one vacancy within your schedule is the departure of the San Antonio Rampage. You played 12 times a year over the last handful of years, in-state rival. Obviously, logistically, it was an instant rival. They're purchased by the Vegas Gold Knights and since have been moved to Henderson. So looking maybe into the future of your crystal ball, do you foresee the Stars kind of dipping back into the Pacific Division a little bit when it comes to scheduling and maybe playing some more of these Pacific Division teams in the future? Yeah, I could see it. I, I think the big thing for us in the Central Division was um, was really being involved with a lot of the teams that, that were in the Central and, and just having the ability to travel to basically Chicago and bounce around to different cities. Very easy for travel. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, I, I kind of expected the, the way the schedule went for us to play a predominantly Central Division schedule. This year, um, obviously, you know, being able to move out West and play, you know, you guys, Colorado and Tucson inside of our schedule um, has been kind of interesting to see where the, the divisional alignment could kind of move in the future. And obviously the AHL is kind of ever moving in, in the last decade or so, how the divisions line up, where the teams are exactly lined up. I think there could be a position for Texas to be in the Pacific division at some point in the future. Um, but, you know, with the addition of another new franchise in Henderson, another one coming in the next couple of years, I have a feeling that Texas is going to remain in the central division just for the time being, uh, unless there's some type of major shift. But I think that you're going to see us have a few more games played against Tucson, against Colorado's, uh, against the San Jose's, the Ontario's of the world. Um, it won't be a predominantly Pacific schedule, but I think it will definitely have some trips out West for us in the near future. That's going to do it for this episode of Cuda Confidential. A big thanks to Jimmy Bono and Brian Tosti. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying so long until next time.